Um, my name is Roberta, and I am so excited to be here tonight. I am part of the dream team at The Ascent. I've um, been part of Riverwood Church for four years now. It's an incredible church. I've been so blessed by it. Um, I'm actually a social worker, so all day, every day, I get to work with people, and that's a dream for me. For some of you, I know that's a nightmare, um, but it's incredible that I get to work with people, so I love that. Um, as I said, Mark Rosland is so blessed to have me as a wife, um, and he is graced for it. Wow. Because if any of my friends know me, I, am, I can be a little crazy sometimes. Okay, so I am finishing off the series, Greatest of All Time, where we're actually examining Psalm 23, which many people argue is one of the greatest psalms. It's very mainstream. We see it in movies. People who don't even follow Jesus often know this psalm. So I am closing it out, and I'm just going to take a moment to read it. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then these are the verses that we're going to camp on today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the ascent. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for your words, not mine. I just pray that you would open our hearts tonight to journey together in this. And yeah, God, would you just use me? Would this be a worship offering to you? And I just thank you for this opportunity. Praise your name. Amen. Awesome. So when Mark actually came to me, he's like, hey, I really want you to speak at the Ascent. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. I'm excited. Um, and then, <laughs> a little nervous. And then when he said what verses he wanted me to preach on, I was like, oh, not so impressed. Because these, these are hard verses. Because these, these are verses about, you know, difficult times and still striving through it. And I'm not always perfect at that. And so what I want to say is, like, just because someone stands on a stage doesn't mean they have it all together. Um, in fact, like two of my best friends, like Brittany and Zach, they preach up here. Mark preaches up here. They are all far from perfect, I can promise you. So let that be an encouragement to you that no one on this stage is perfect. So hopefully tonight, I just hope we can journey together in this. Um, I'm super excited to be here. So what, we, what I do know about this psalm is it was written by David. And for those of you who don't know who David is, um, he actually, his life took place a lot um, earlier than Jesus's. He was a king of Israel, but before that, it took a long time to get there. He was a shepherd boy, then a warrior, and then a king. And what we kind of see for David when he writes these psalms, he's very emotional. So he's a warrior and he's a king, but he actually takes time to really pour out his heart to God. And when he wrote this psalm, there's actually, Psalm 23 itself, there's two different thoughts of when he would have written this. Um, the first thought is that he actually wrote this at the end of his life, kind of like, hey, send off. When I'm looking back at my life, this is what I want people to know. Um, that's the view I like to think of it as. It's kind of like a romanticized view, but I like that. And the second is that he actually wrote this at a very difficult time in his life when a king before him was actually trying to kill him. So there's kind of two thoughts, but whenever this was written, we can actually, so no matter when this was written, we can see that David was facing difficulty. And despite that difficulty, he knew that God was for him. And David had amazing mountaintop moments in his life where he's king and everything's going great, but he also had some very difficult moments. But when I look at this psalm, what stood out to me was David's attitude towards life, that he was saying, God is for me. This whole psalm kind of shows us that despite what was going on, despite the difficulty that we may or may not face, God is for him. 
So before we kind of go more into the, into the verses, I just want to take a quick survey here, which will be fun because I actually can't see any of you. Um, who here likes romantic comedies? Yeah? Okay. I, maybe 100 of you? Okay, good. That's a good way to let me know. I love that energy. That's good. Um, I just want to take a side note here. Zach cries every time in a romantic comedy. Every time. I don't know. We could watch the same one twice, and it's like he's still crying. I'm like, you knew how this was going to end. But anyways. Um, he cries every single time, but anyways. Now, I love a good romantic comedy. It always serves me well. I know that I'm gonna go into the theater, Jennifer Garner, she's gonna lose her job for a moment, she's gonna get it back, she's gonna rise to the occasion, she's gonna do a dance number, and her and Mark Ruffalo are gonna be kissing by the end scene, amen. And I love that. I'm so sure of romantic comedies. They have never steered me wrong. Not any moment in my life have they done wrong for me. And as I was thinking of how much I love romantic comedies, which I often ponder in my heart, I thought, I have so much hope in movies like that. You know, I have so much hope that it's going to make me feel better. But how much greater is God? And how much more confidence should I have in the God of the universe than I should really have in Jennifer Garner, although she's great? And so when we read Psalm 23, um, David displays confidence. And he's saying, despite the enemies I'm facing, I still know that God is for me. And I don't know what your enemies are. And when I first became a Christian, I remember hearing this verse and thinking that enemies had to be literal people that don't like me, like, oh, people who are, like, out to get me. No, David actually meant these could be anything in our life. He didn't try to make it that, that um, he didn't try to just pin it on that. So in the presence of your anxiety, in the presence of your loneliness, in the presence of your depression, um, in the presence of that job you didn't get, I don't know what your enemies are, but God is for you. So even if today you're not going through this time and you're like, no, everything's really good, truthfully, it will come. And so when we come up against these enemies or these disappointments, whether small or big, it looks different for all of us, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to choose to believe? See, some of you, including myself, can struggle to believe that God is for you. You're waiting for everything to fall apart, but that's actually not how we were created to live. And while I was praying and like, really seeking God, like, God, what do you want me to preach on? This idea of God is for you stood out. I thought, that's too simple. Like, God, give me something a little more like in the Greek or something. And, <laughs> but I realized <laughs> for the past 11 years of me being a Christian and me walking out my faith, this has actually been the most difficult truth for me to believe. Because it's easy to say, and you know what, it's even easier to say it for someone else's life. Like, wow, do I have big beliefs for my friends' lives? But when it comes to my heart and my life, this can be really difficult. So when King David paints this picture of what life should be, um, and he paints this picture of what life should be with God, see, we're not meant to be taken out. We're not meant to have negativity hold us back, or when things get hard, just like, you know, leave. He actually shows us that God has a greater calling and a greater purpose, and David lived this out. He had chaos all around him. He actually created some of those enemies. He created some of that chaos. And he would go into battles that no one should win. But he would look and he would say, God is for me. So David didn't live a perfect life, but yet he knew this. So I see that in order to live like God is for you, which is a life full of hope, full of abundance, full of drive, full of joy, um, we need to live out, we have to believe certain things about God. So pain will come, and we will have moments when we say, I'm not okay, but what do we do in those moments? So when times come, what are we going to choose to believe? Because I think the enemy would love nothing more than for all of us to stay, to be stuck, and to feel stuck in that pain, and to feel that there's no way I'm getting out of this tunnel. 
but what God wants for us is so much greater. So I believe that there's three things I'm going to go through. And the first one is that we believe that God is our protector. So we believe God is our protector. I think there's a slide for it. So David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And actually, when David wrote this, he very specifically chose to show it God is a host of a table, like we're going into a dinner and God is hosting us. Because in that culture, when you went out to dinner, when you went to someone's house, the host was now your protector. So they said, no matter what's happening on out there, like, I'm going to take care of you. So when God paints this, he's actually telling us, guys, I'm protecting you. Come eat with me. So even when chaos is happening, even when everything around you feels like it's falling apart, I'm going to protect you. So when David actually came and sat with God, he had literal enemies outside the door, but he knew that he needed to take time to sit with God. See, God is our host and we are his guests. And I think sometimes, at least for my life, like I can go into panic mode when things aren't going well. Like, Mayday, God, do you see this? Like, make a list. Can I do something? Like, what do you want me to do? Do I need to run around? Do I need to call some people? What do I need to do? But God's saying, no, pause. Just have dinner with me. Just ask me to be here because I'm going to protect you. And this is really hard for us as, hu as humans because God's not just asking for an hour-long coffee. <laughs> He's asking for a feast. So when we have this feast with God, I believe that God wants to give us a peace and he wants to give us knowledge and he wants to give us wisdom. And I think sometimes we're sitting at the dinner table and we're like, okay, I'm just not getting anything out of this. And we leave right when God's like, oh, I was just about to tell you like, how you should do this. When we, we also see this in Philippians chapter 4, 6 to 7, which is actually in the New Testament. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we can have this peace, but even when we feel anything but it, my anxiety does not have to have the final say, but God invites me and you to have a peace knowing that he's always protecting us. I believe that a lot of us feel God is gone when difficult times come. And when we come and when we think that in our minds, it causes peace to leave us completely because we're without our protector. We're not living the way that God wants us to live. So when we actually need to build that relationship with God, so what does that feast even look like? It looks like reading our Bible. It looks like praying. It looks like coming to church. It looks like worshiping. These are all things that God wants to do with us to build that relationship and to have that feast with him. So David also writes in this, you anoint my cup, my head with oil, my cup overflows. And so he also does this very specifically because in this culture, again, um, you know when you're at someone's house and it's kind of awkward, you don't know when to leave? You're like, oh, do I go now? Do I wait? And you're, or like, I'm the host a lot. And I'm always like, when do I kick people out? <laughs> like, what's the nicest way to do that? <laughs> I haven't come up with the nicest way. Sometimes I just go to bed, though. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> Mark and I are like, hey, lock the door. You're loved. Leave. Um, so, but in this culture, they actually would fill your cup. So as long as your cup was being filled, it was like, you're welcome to stay here. This is a really polite way of doing this. I'm going to start doing this now. So you just, you keep filling the cup and you're like, yep, you're good to stay. Keep being here. And what David is saying is that his cup overflows. So that means God's not stopping filling it. <laughs> He's going to keep filling the cup because he wants to keep being with us. And it didn't matter what David was doing or what he had done. God's like, no, I still want to feast with you, and I want to keep filling that cup. So you don't need to keep fighting alone. Some of you are tired because you keep fighting alone. And you're suffering and inside you, it feels like everything's falling apart because you haven't even let that out to God. 
And God's saying, come to me, feast with me, know that I am your protector. And when God protects us, we know that we can go into anything. And that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean that pain isn't going to hurt because we live in a world, God hasn't caused pain to us, but we live in a very fallen world where pain is going to happen, where cancer exists, where there's bullies and all those things. And so because of that, we're going to feel that pain, but God doesn't actually ask us to do this alone. In your greatest battle, and this is something I always have to tell myself, in your greatest battle, God has already won. He's already gone out ahead. He sees the whole picture, and he's like, just promise me, like, come be with me and do this with me, and you're going to be able to walk out the other side. And it almost sounds too good to be true when we say things like this, like, God's already won the battle. Like, it sounds kind of like a cliche, but that's the gospel, that God's going to keep fighting for you, and he's always going to protect you. The second belief is that we believe that God's love is relentlessly pursuing us. So we believe God's love is relentlessly pursuing us. In verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all my days. Um, and the word surely actually can also be translated to confidently and for sure. Well, not for sure. Sorry. Confidently and assurance. So David strategically used this word to let readers know that there's no questioning this. God's love and mercy will always follow his people. This isn't an if you do this or if you don't do that. It's not based on an action or a circumstance. When we choose to follow God, he's always going to be there. And David knew that despite the mistakes, despite where he fell short, God was still coming after him with his love. God's love and goodness, they're not conditional on us. And David didn't question God's love for, us, God's love for him. David is telling us that we can always count on God's goodness and mercy. See, anything good on this earth, anything good in our lives comes from God. And even when we reject God's love, he continues to pursue us. And some of you here tonight, you don't follow God, but you're here. And that's not a coincidence. It's because God's love is going to keep pursuing you. And he's like, come to me. I'm going to keep on loving you, even when you reject me. Even if you follow me and you think I don't love you, I'm going to keep following after you because God is crazy about you. And it seems kind of weird to think that, but he is. Like, he's obsessed with us. He's like our number one fan all the time, being like, hey, I love you. I want what's best for you. Hang out with me. You're awesome. You're amazing. He's kind of like the stage five clinger friend, but in a good way, because he transforms our lives. So they don't always. <laughs> um, so when we see this actually depicted again about God's love pursuing us in Luke chapter 15, now this, we're going into where Jesus actually was walking the earth, and this is a story that Jesus tells. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told the parable, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country to go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friend and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you this in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. So what Jesus is saying, it's like, it's great that you guys are here, but he's always wanting to pursue us. And I believe there are people here tonight who aren't following Jesus. And again, you think it's an accident you're here, but God's saying, no, don't you know I love you? I want you here. I want to pursue you. And here in my life, even being a Christian, I found myself not wanting to let God love me. I'm like, God, no, I just, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to accept it. Because if we accept it, our lives are actually changed. And it seems too good to be true. 
And I've even found in like personal relationships, like people caring about you can change you. I know, you know, being married to Mark and his love has really transformed me. But God's love is even more transformative than that. And he's asking us to step in and to take time with him. We just need to accept the love. And see, I want a heart like David, where David, he let God's love change him. And he let his love guide him and pursue him. So the last belief is to believe in God's power to redeem our pain. So David concludes this chapter by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And one commentator explained this, that David makes it clear that we always have hope in God and that in, with hope there's no shame. And see, hope and shame are actually equally powerful emotions, but what they invoke is incredibly different. And some of you are living in so much shame. <laughs> you, you go to the gym and work out because you hate your body, not because you love it. You come even to the ascent because you're like, well, maybe if I do this, God's not going to like hate me. But that's not what God asks us to do. He asks us to live in hope, hope in him, hope in our life, hope that things will always be better. Um, mistakes you've made or mistakes that have been done to you or things that have been done to you don't define you. God's love defines you and his hope defines you. Um, I found actually a couple of quotes that I really like. One of them is, I'll just read them quickly. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciousness, but shouts in our pain, it is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. C.S. Lewis. And your greatest ministry will most likely become out of your greatest hurt. Rick Warren. And I read these quotes, and it sounds kind of twisted, but I felt hopeful. Because God's character is one that never leaves us. In my darkest days, I am not alone. And you're not alone. If you're going through your darkest days, you're not alone. And I stand on this stage, and I am not standing up here without not having experienced a lot of pain in my life. In fact, I have had a, I've had a lot of pain. I didn't become a Christian until I was 14. I, I grew up in a non-Christian home. But worse than that, I grew up with a very abusive father. So a lot of nights, I didn't know what was going to happen or what I was coming home to or what it was going to be like. Um, I would just lay in my bed at night, and I wouldn't even know what I was praying to. I guess God, probably. <laughs> and I would just wish that everything would get better, but it wasn't. Um, and when I did become a Christian at 14, I felt very broken. Because I thought, how could a God love me when my own father doesn't? And that was something I really had to wrestle through. Um, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder, which was really hard. And, and even when Mark and I were engaged, his mom passed away. She was only 47. So I've had a lot of pain in my life. But guys, this is the crazy thing. What I'm talking about isn't Oprah. <laughs> this is God, because I'm standing on this stage. So it has to mean something, because God protected me. God's love pursued me. And he's redeeming my pain every single day. <laughs> and he wants to do that for you. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to feel stuck. And I know what it feels like to be stuck. It feels, you feel powerless. But guys, we serve the most powerful God. <laughs> so he wants to give that to you. And God wants to redeem your pain. Some of you need to say, not today, Satan. You need to say it. You got to say, no, I'm not going to believe that lie about myself. I'm not going to go to that place in my head because God has won that battle for me. It's so easy to keep going back and going back, but God is calling us to a new life. Before David, there was a leader named Joshua. And Joshua's leadership followed Moses, followed actually Moses's, and he wanted, he was bringing the people to the promised land. And I love looking at Joshua's life because he had to keep taking down a king and then to go to the other one. So take down one king just to get to another, to take down another. But each time Joshua was stronger 
Guys, I'm strong. I'm strong as heck. Like, I have been through some, some mighty things, but God has made me so strong. And that's what he wants to do for you. He wants you to be able to stand up one day and say, yeah, I've had painful things happen to me, but God has made me strong. And that's what the gospel does, and that's what God's love can do for us. And when I look at my life sometimes, I'm, I can feel sorry for myself, but I choose not to because I actually am thankful for those things because I wouldn't be the woman I am today. I don't think I would have done anything I've done in my life if it wasn't for the experiences I had, and that's only because of God's love. It's crazy when I look at pain and the hurt and see who I am now to who I begin to become. And I think some of you need to begin to have that happen in your life because it can almost sound too good to be true. So wait, God is for me. He can use it all because hope is often too good to be true. And David was a man who was far from perfect. We know, if you know anything about David's life, he had affairs, he killed men, he did all these things, yet he pens to paper, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's incredible. And that's the gospel. See, even if we come down a hundred, God will give us a hundred chances after a hundred after a hundred. He's going to wipe every tear because that's what he does for us. God's goodness will keep following after us. And I think tonight, some of you, you're not here by accident. You need to hear this. And you need to begin to believe that God is for you. Because living life like you're dragged, dragged down, it's heavy. And you feel the weight literally on your chest. You're like feeling it. And God wants to take that for you. He's never asked you to actually carry that for him. He's saying, give it to me. I want you to begin to step into that new life. And we really want to make this moment a moment for you to just pray between you and God if you need to give anything over to him. And maybe you don't, and maybe things are good, but I would actually ask you to pray like, God, when I do go through the hard times, would you remind me of this? Would you remind me that you are good?